Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on The Detail, the Israel-Hamas war is half a world away, but it is touching the lives of many people living here. Today, the personal stories of a Palestinian New Zealander and a Jewish New Zealander. First, Tamim Sheltoni, who came here from Jordan with his young family as a skilled migrant. Kiara, first of all, thank you for having me. Just to give you a little bit about my background. So my grandparents on both sides were dispossessed by Israel in 1948. They were expelled from their homes in Palestine. Uh, Subsequently, my dad was born in a tent in a refugee camp in Gaza. My mom, she was born in Damascus in a refugee camp. They met, married in Jordan, and that is where I I was born. Uh, Then we came to New Zealand in 2014. How did you end up in New Zealand? We were looking for a new place for us. Uh, We've just started family, a small family. So we were looking for a place where uh, we can have a good living and uh, build a new future for our kids. Uh, So New Zealand is right there as one, you know, one of, one of the best places uh, for a family with, for, with kids. So we thought, okay, maybe this is the right place for us to be in. When you talk to New Zealanders about your background, how how do you describe yourself? I call myself Palestinian in New Zealander. Uh, I guess New Zealander is well known, but the part where there's often a confusion around is Palestinian. So I would like to go a little bit about the background. What is the Palestinian uh, identity, what it means? And then we can maybe talk about what it means to other people when they hear it. Mm. Yeah, okay. So Palestinians, they are a diverse ethnic group uh, who have immediate roots in Palestine, especially before 1948. Uh, Palestine as a region, it has a very long history in uh, human communities. Uh, There is human remains that are dated 1.5 million years old that were found in the region. In terms of civilization, it's older than 10,000 years of, of, of history. So it's so a lot of cultures, a lot of changes, a lot of people, and most recently, uh, predominantly Muslims and Arabs, but not exclusively. There were Christians uh, uh, and many, many different uh, cultures. That is all changed in 1948, but that is where basically came it from. So when I say Palestinian, that identity often intersects with uh, Muslim, Arab, sort of a brown identities, if, if that makes sense, it's all mixed up in, in that Palestinian label. Do you feel that you're, you know, part of this society? Okay, I'll be honest to you. So I wanted this to be my home. Uh, and I almost believed it until March 15th. So when the terrorist attack happened, it was like a sort of a wake up call. And I came to the conclusion that no matter how I really wanted to believe it, there will be always something wrong, you know, something that is not quite right. And it's not just a matter of small microaggression, racist remarks, you know, there it's 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 more serious than this. And we all saw it, uh, that there's some, sometimes hate that is willing to kill us. Uh, so I came to that conclusion that probably, you know, I was a little bit naive about it and uh, my sense of uh, belonging to here and this is home got squashed after uh, that terrorist attack, sadly. So you don't feel that New Zealand is your home? I mean, I'm trying, <laughs> mm. uh, but it's more about the perception from the society that they will never 
like you could feel it when I introduce myself, like immediately, oh, hi, I'm Tamim. Like when I meet someone in you, they will ask me, where are you from? Well, I'm from Narawahia. No, no, where are you from? From Hamilton. No, no, where are you from? You know, so so it's that, it's that feeling that actually you're not from here and you just you just happen to be here for whatever reason. Uh, I still remember in a previous job, the very first job that I had in New Zealand, I was very happy that, you know, I found a job, I'm lucky. Now I'll start contributing to the society and I will settle in. On my first day, the boss asked me, oh, did you come here to settle in or did you come here to go to Australia? So I, I felt that actually, no matter what I do, my commitment to New Zealand will be always questionable. Can we talk about what is happening with the Israel-Hamas war? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I do have family in Gaza, as I mentioned, because my dad was born in Gaza and half of the family stayed there while our half moved to Jordan. So we do have uh, family over there. It's very difficult situation. We don't know exactly what's happening with them. We don't have reliable communication communications with them. Internet, phones uh, keeps disconnecting. Within our own closed network here in Hamilton, we know four families who had people killed in the last three weeks. This has a big weight on us. Like personally speaking, in the last three weeks, I was sleeping on average three to four hours every night, max. Mm. Uh, I lost seven kgs over these three weeks. We're feeling physically ill, if that makes sense. So you're in contact. You have family there. And what do you know about their situation? Last time we checked in, they were they were okay, as in they were safe, but safe, relatively speaking, because at the moment there's no 100% safe place in Gaza. There were like 50 people in their own flat because they have internally displaced people from various areas in Gaza. They don't have food. They don't have a clean water. So while, you know, they're still alive, but they're far from uh, being in an ideal situation or a safe situation. What do you feel that you can do from this far away? I mean, yeah, we're too far away to extend a direct help, but, I mean, the entire community is, is coming together in order to see what are the ways that we could help. Uh, we're trying to engage with the, with the with government agencies here to, to work on the uh, New Zealand response, uh, which is not a great, by the way, but we're trying our bit from here. Uh, we're staying in touch with our family yeah, in Gaza and different places in Palestine and in countries around Palestine where other Palestinian families are living. Do you feel safe in New Zealand, Tamim? At the moment, probably not as much as I wanted to be safe or to feel safe uh, within my own network two cases. In one instance, a family here in Hamilton, our friends, they had a car driving quickly towards them. They had Palestinian outfits because they were going to a cultural event. Uh, the car stopped in the last second, uh, then took off again. In another instance, friends of us in, in Auckland, they had a stalker coming to their house twice because they had a Palestinian flag in their own backyard or front yard. He abused them yelled at their children, swore at them, then took off, happened twice. So we hear about these stories happening around us and around the world, and we know it's a matter of time before someone gets hurt. Uh, so at the moment, we're trying to 
be aware of these risks. And every time we display any of our Palestinian identity, then we, we keep looking around us just to make sure, you know, nothing goes wrong or, or we are safe or we are protected. Are you getting the protection you feel you need? It's hard to quantify it because, you know, I mean, we can't expect a police car in front of the house of each Palestinian. But no. um, in terms of, yeah, perception of uh, safety, no, I don't feel it. it. Can more be done that's that's practical? I think we need help from the media because at the moment we feel, and this is an overall perception within the community that we are not getting represented well on the media. Um, I appreciate the opportunity that I'm, I'm talking here, but we're still not seeing this across the board. So we need help from the media to de-escalate the rhetoric mm. and to give us a fair chance at presenting ourselves and changing the, the narrative that is out there. Because at the moment, we don't think it's it's fair. We don't think it's balanced. What you feel like the narrative is biased in favour of Israel? Oh, Israel and Palestinians are the bad people. Because I was going to say there seems to be a lot of sympathy for the Palestinian people right now. I think at a people level, there's a great sympathy and it's it's going up because we see it in the protests like every week. Uh, the numbers are increasing significantly, but we still feel the, the media is lacking behind and well behind the media, the politicians. Uh, but in terms of the media... I think the biggest problem at the moment is when they report on Palestine, events are reported in isolation, but this is a long history. Mm. While the media focuses on this particular event or on what happened on the October 7th, but not what happened for the past 75 years before that. What do your friends, the people around you, the people you work with, what sort of conversations do you have with them right now about this war? Or is it something that, you know, New Zealanders would tend not to really want to talk about? I, I do talk to friends about it. I do talk to people from work about it, but try not, you know, not, not, not mix things up, of mm. course. Th- there isn't much knowledge about the history, the background of Palestinians. Uh, so it takes a time to bring someone on board because you have to go through this entire history for them to get it. But as soon as you talk to them, they realise that this is not a political situation because this is like actually human side of it. Where do you get your news from? Because I feel that there's so much concern now about the misinformation, how much people believe about what's being reported. Yes. So most of the news that I get about what's happening is from people in Gaza on the ground. Uh, people that I'm following on social media. Uh, it gets uh, tricky sometimes because they don't have reliable internet at the moment. Uh, they keep getting disconnected from the world, but it keeps coming back. And that is predominantly the source of the information that I go with. I'm quite outspoken on social media and I have published my family's uh, expulsion story. Mm-hmm. So I do receive a lot of hate and abuse online. And just to give you a few examples, which I just today read from some of the comments that I received yesterday. First one, rot in hell. And these are people in New Zealand. Second one is sea of 
Antamensch, which is apparently a German word. I googled it, and it means a person considered racially or socially inferior. And the third one is terrorist. This is just normal language that I get exposed to on uh, on social media. Why do you stay on social media? Because that is the only place at the moment where we can share our our own stories. Ben Keeps is a businessman based in Canterbury. I mean, I was born in New Zealand. You know, I've I've always identified myself as a New Zealander, but there is another context that my parents were refugees from Eastern Europe. My parents uh, survived the Holocaust. They were Jewish. I am Jewish. Um, so there's this huge sort of context that has always kind of been there in the background, but after October 7th has become really, really acute to myself and to, to other um, Jews in New Zealand. How would your life in New Zealand be different to others, do you think? I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, do you practice your faith? Do you call it a faith? Yeah, so this is the thing that a lot of people don't understand. I am not at all religious. Uh, I'm, you know, at best agnostic, at worst atheistic. You know, religion doesn't really play a part for me. But sort of woven into my DNA is thousands of years of history, of stories, of sadly persecution. There's a bunch of survivor's guilt from the Holocaust. There's all of this stuff. So, so you know, to me, it's an ethnicity. It's about culture. It's about food. It's about, you know, sounds. It's about language. It's it's not about religion. That, that is a difficult thing for, for Kiwis to understand. And is there a willingness here in New Zealand for people to talk about it? Or or do people just say, oh, God, this, this topic is too difficult or I don't know enough about it? I mean, I, I talk about the fact that, that my parents were Holocaust survivors, but I don't talk about the, the religious side of things because to me that's irrelevant. So it's really, really complicated. You, you can't get further from, from the Middle East than New Zealand and it's so out of context for people here. And so generally that's that's a conversation that hasn't been had. And so what has been in, incredibly jarring for all Jewish people in New Zealand and, and Israeli people in New Zealand is seeing the response post-October 7th, we, we always had this sort of naive thought that, you know, this is New Zealand, no one cares. And, you know, I, I mean, I mean, I my, you know, my father's grave in Wellington has been spray-painted from time to time over the years. So there's that sort of low-lying stuff. But we always thought we were kind of immune to the really worst of anti-Semitism. Um, and post-October 7th, really the world has changed for us. In what way? You know, I'm an incredibly proud New Zealander, and so to see other New Zealanders walk down, you know, Queen Street in Auckland or, or be at the Bridge of Remembrance in Christchurch and burn Israeli flags, say death to the Jews, say Hitler's job should have been finished, uh, call me personally a, a, a genocidal racist, and, and think of that within the context of October 7th. So the thing to understand is that you know, globally, there's about 15 million Jews. In New Zealand, there's there's a, a, a few tens of thousands. So we're, we're a tiny, tiny, tiny population. And we're all kind of very close. And so I have got, uh, you know, two cousins who are serving in the army that are probably in or around Gaza. I have friends uh, whose relatives were murdered or taken hostage on October the 7th. And so you think about that context where we, as a people, are deeply traumatised and are absolutely grieving and the next day 
rather than people showing empathy and understanding that we were traumatised, what we saw was people chanting, gas the Jews. And, and that's just, I mean, A, that's a reality inversion, but B, there's a lack of humanity and a lack of empathy there, which frankly is, is incredibly distressing. How do you respond to that? You know, my parents were Holocaust survivors and everyone who came through that and, and subsequent generations carries survivor's guilt. For me, that comes out in feeling a deep, deep obligation to stand up and be counted. And so I've been very public in my support for Israel, my condemnation of Hamas, uh, and my support for the, the Jewish and Israeli community in New Zealand. So I feel obliged to do that. Other people, um, unfortunately, have gone to ground. I, I know of a lot of people who are almost housebound because they're scared to go outside because they don't want to be identified as a Jew. Um, so it comes out in different ways for different people, but the thing that we all share is we are all feeling traumatised and really sadly we've, we're all feeling betrayed uh, in a large part, by our, our countrymen and women. Are you unsafe? It was funny. I, I um, posted a thought um, the other day on social media. I was flying out of Wellington Airport, and normally when I'm in the airport, I, I look at my phone and I you know, catch up on work and those sorts of things, and it was the first time ever I had found myself looking over my shoulder and being a little bit fearful about what might happen. Now, that doesn't mean that I think tomorrow someone's going to come and attack me or break my windows or whatever, but there is this underlying level of fear that I have, I've never experienced before in my life. And I've, I've, I've lived in Israel. I've, I've, I've been in bomb shelters with rocket attacks. I feel, I feel safer there than I do here because at least there the threat is very obvious. There's, you know, every country around you is trying to destroy you, so therefore you have no option but to, to defend yourself. Over here, there's, there's this cloak and veil of, of this reality inversion, which means that the threat is much more insidious. And so what sort of protection do you have? Uh, blind faith, I guess. Uh, you know, there are lots of people that have, you know, I'm aware of people who have put in place security systems. I'm aware of people who have, you know, that the New Zealand police have heightened the protection for those people. Um, I still have a degree of faith. I still think that all things being equal, you know, I'm safe to walk down the street. Time will tell whether that's naive or whether that is well-founded. Even speaking to me, it's a brave thing to do because you are high profile. It's either brave or stupid, and it's probably more stupid. But I do think, um, joking aside, you know, I feel like I've got an obligation in, in the memory of the people that, that passed in all of those generations that being Jewish has some benefits. I'm sure I haven't I haven't discovered them yet, but with, with it comes an obligation, and one of those obligations is to use whatever platform one has to tell our own truths. And that doesn't mean I'm I'm not denying Palestinian angst. I I absolutely accept that the the Palestinian people uh, have been hard done by um, by their own co-religionists as well as as well as by Israel. That's a conversation to have, and I'm more than happy to have that conversation with people. But that is a distinctly different thing from someone saying that because I'm Jewish, I deserve to die. Mm. Anyone listening can understand what it feels like for someone who doesn't know me to say that I deserve to die simply because I'm a Jew. So you say you feel let down by New Zealanders. What do you want to change? I totally get that it's it's a sensitive topic and it's very complex. So I have no problem with someone saying hey, this is really complex, it's really political, there's thousands of years of history, 
I don't want to get involved in conversation. But then the next thing is, hey, Ben, are you doing okay? And, and that's, all, that's all I want. I just want people to show a degree of humanity. I get that people don't like Israel, that they don't like what Israel is doing. That's not what this is about. That's a separate conversation. I'm a New Zealander. I think I deserve a degree of empathy from people in New Zealand for, for trauma. In the same way that, you know, I have, I have lots of you know, Arab and, and Islamic friends. And post-March 15, I, I spent time, you know, showing empathy for them. As, as that's, the, that's the human thing to do. People have suffered a loss, traumatised. People deserve some humanity that goes alongside that. So you have Islamic and Arab friends. And how are you able to, you know have a conversation with them about this or is it something that you just stay right away from? It really varies. I mean, the, the bizarre thing is is that Muslims and Jews are cousins. We're so closely related. Um, and from the, you know, if you were an alien to be flown down to earth and you had a look at this, you'd be like, the degrees of separation between Jews and, and Muslims is, is nothing, is absolutely nothing. So it's bizarre that they're fighting at all. I, I do have lots of you know Arab friends. I love the food. I love the people. I'm the first one to say salam alaikum because I really do hope that that peace be upon us. And so anyone that wants to have a conversation, that's fine. It's when someone calls me a Zionist dog that um, things get a little bit more difficult. And do they say it to your face, or are they saying it in, in you know online messages? The Arab friends I've got tend to come to this conversation generally with a degree of knowledge and an ability to have a conversation. They might not like me, they not, might not like my position, but they'll have a conversation. The thing that is really bizarre is the people that have no clue and no context uh, that will pour hate upon me. And so everyone's an expert. Um, this is a highly, highly uh, complicated environment. And I think, frankly, people should either inform themselves or if they don't want to be informed, just shut up. <laughs> really. Mm. What do you think is going to happen, Ben? Because, you know, we all hope that at some point this war will be over. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really scared. I mean, the, the puppet master in all of this is Iran. Yeah, Iran funds and, and arms Hamas, but also Hezbollah. The, the context for all of this is that Saudi Arabia was very, very close to having a peace accord with Israel. And that would be a terrible thing for Iran because all of a sudden you've actually got a general agreement in the Middle East um, and everyone's aware who the bad guys are. And so they engineered this war because they didn't want that to happen. Um, Best case situation is that this all gets settled down, that Saudi Arabia and Israel continue with their peace accord, that Iran gets somewhat destabilised and therefore Hamas and Hezbollah get destabilised such that you can actually have some sort of enduring peace between you know, the Arab nations in Israel, but more importantly, the Palestinians in Israel. That's a best-case scenario. Um, Worst-case scenario is, frankly, sadly, Armageddon. And in New Zealand, are New Zealanders any better informed this time than, say, back in the the other big flare-up, what, back in 2014? I think the difficulty is that, you know, we are... We are being played. We are being played by 
polarizing individuals, but we're also being played by algorithms. And so um, the social media platforms are all feeding us the stuff that reinforces our confirmation bias. And so there's a much bigger societal issue to talk about here and whether it's, you know, the anti-vax crew or the general opting out of the rule of law or, you know, or this conflict or or whatever, you know, co-governance, you know, all of these things are being fueled and reinforced by social media. And so we have a conversation to have as a society around dialogue and discourse and respectful disagreement and frankly, you know, walking a mile in, in another man's or another woman's shoes. How we get there, I, I really don't know. That's a conversation for bigger brains than mine. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell. Our producers are Bonnie Harrison, Mark Jennings and Alexia Russell. And thanks to Tamim Shaltoni and Ben Keeps. Mā te wā. Mā te wā.